0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job 8 about wisdom that falls short. Hey, Job, your kids are dead given
1: over to the power of their sin. But you're still alive, so your sin must not be as bad. Remember, this is Bildad's premise, his, his worldview. If you would cry out, if you would pray for God to be merciful to you, well, then certainly God would rouse himself, and he would fix your situation. Wait a minute, brothers and sisters. Hasn't Job been crying out to God for the last two chapters? but he hasn't quite cried out to God the way Bilbo, I mean, Bildad. Bilbo's character, short guy from Lord of the Rings. We're going with short tonight, okay? The way that he wants him to. Here's the, here's the, the idea, here's the thrust of it. Job, you obviously need to repent of something and you haven't repented of anything yet. Confess your sin, because he who confesses and forsakes his sin will find mercy. Mercy. Right, Job? Wrong. Why? Because I don't know what to confess, says Job. I don't know what I did wrong. Do you want me to make something up, Bilbo? I mean, Bill Deft. Do you want me to just say, okay, I think I... And if Job had to reach far to find something like, yeah, you know, I was a little mean to that person the other day, or would that explain his calamity? Yeah, you know, I I did have a weird thought. You know, I mean, no. That's where Job is at. He's saying, look, I don't know what you want me to do because I am crying out to God. Well, if you would just be pure and upright, implication, you need to repent. Surely God would rouse himself, verse 6. He would restore your righteous estate. Look Job, all you got to do is repent but Job one, 1 and Job 1, eight says that Job was a righteous and blameless man. He even offered sacrifice for his kids continually just in case they did something wrong. What more could the guy do from the standpoint of being pious and righteous? I would say to you Probably not much more. So that can't be the issue. And he says, though your beginning was insignificant, <laughs> sometimes you don't know how to take words of fear. You know, your beginning was quite insignificant. <laughs> what beginning? <laughs> does Does he refer to the time I was born? Like before I built my estate? Or is he talking about now since I've lost everything? Because Job was... Anything but insignificant. He was the greatest man of all the East. You ever had somebody, you're doing great. You you, you were very insignificant, but now. (laughs) He says, but your end will increase greatly. Notice he he focuses on his estate in verse six. And increase. What do you think Bill Dad's getting at? Job, you had such a marvelous farm, so many animals, so many servants, so many great things going on. You were such a great man. You had people waiting on you. You gave orders to people. Now your whole life's a rubble. If you just repent, I'm sure God will restore all your possessions back to you. Everybody turn to Luke 12. Hold your place in Job, Luke 12. So Jesus was constantly talking to us about priorities. Luke chapter 12, this is one of those chapters where He's dealing with possessions, Luke 12, 15. Luke 12, 15. Do you really think at this point that Job's main concern is that his estate is restored? You think Job's thinking about, you know, that car I used to have, wow, boy, do I miss it. Where do you think Job's thoughts actually are? On his family, on his faith. I think Job might say, if we could read between the lines, what are you talking about? I'll get my three-story house back. I don't care about the house. I care about what God thinks of me. I care about my children and that they're no longer here. I could care less about that car or that camel. Jesus said to them, beware. Luke 12, 15, be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. He he told them a parable. The land of a certain rich man was very productive. He began reasoning to himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? He says, this is what I will do. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones. I want you to just think of Job for this study. There I will store all my grain and my goods. I'll say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man, the person who lays up treasure for himself and not, is not rich toward God. I think that's Job's concern. I want to be rich toward God. And he said to his disciple his disciples, for this reason, because this is true, I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. For life is more than food and the body than clothing. Turn back to Job chapter eight. You see, Bildad is concerned about the outward. Job is concerned more about the inward. Bildad is saying, Job, if you just get everything right with God again, he'll restore your material possessions. He'll he'll restore things back to you. But Bildad assumes that he knows the root cause of Job's trouble, and he doesn't. That's why his wisdom falls woefully short. Job is suffering because of a satanic attack, but also because God sovereignly has allowed him to suffer for all the purposes that we mentioned at the outset of this message, and I'm sure much more. To reveal the heart of a true worshiper. God knows that many throughout the century of time will open to this book, and God is trying to prove something to Job and to the angels, and you can fill in the rest of the blanks. And so Bildad goes on. He says, please inquire. Okay, if you're wondering if I'm correct, Inquire of past generations, consider the things searched out by their fathers. Look at the patriarchs if you think I'm blowing smoke, says Bildad. Isn't this what they taught? That you're righteous and you get blessed for it? This is an undeniable pattern, he might say. For we, Bildad speaking to Job and the others, were only of yesterday and know nothing because our days on earth are as a shadow. Isn't that rather poetic? We are only of yesterday. It almost sounds like a book or a poem or a song. We're only of yesterday. I know you're all thinking it. Think of it. Yesterday, all <laughs> oh, my troubles seem so. Right, yeah. Come on, pick it up. And <laughs> I. I do know how it goes. Come on, brother Bert. We want to get Brother Bert a shirt that says praise the Lord because that's always what Brother Bert is doing is praising the Lord. Amen. (laughs) You can sing it for us, Bert, but we'll do that later. (laughs) Will they not, look at verse 10, the patriarchs, the fathers teach you and tell you and bring forth words from their minds. Hey, if you look back at the pattern of life, Job, are you teachable? Might be the implication. If you look at past generations, then you would find this. But past generations also discovered grace, like Abram discovered that righteousness comes by faith. David said, how blessed is the man whom you don't impart iniquity to. Psalm 32. They also discovered things about grace. Where's that, Bildad? Bildad's gonna give us a couple of illustrations and we're done. He says, first illustration, both complimentary to his point. He says, Can the papyrus grow up without marsh? 11, Job 8. Can the rushes grow without water? While it is still green and not cut down, yet w- it withers before any plant. Now, the reeds from which papyrus is taken is common in Egypt, a very valuable plant used to make baskets, mats, parchment. In a damp, swampy area with a warm climate like the Nile, they grow quickly, they grow up to eight to ten feet, they flourish. Just as the wicked might grow metaphorically, grow proud, tall, etc. But take away the water supply, and what happens? Well, they die quickly. So, he says, are the paths of all who forget God. Remember implication, Bildad speaking to Job? Apparently you've forgotten God. That's why you've fallen the way that you have. You were once proud and tall, but now you've, you've fallen. Look at, look at you, Job. You're a mess. Maybe you've forgotten God. The hope of the godless will perish, whose confidence is fragile, and whose trust a spider's web. Now, a spider's web is a frustrating experience because if you walk through a spider's web, nobody can see what's happened to you, but you know it's there, and you're trying to. <gasps> People are like, oh, what's wrong with that person? Like, ah! You just want to get it off. And spider's web. If, if, if nothing else is sticky, and then you always have in the back of your mind, is that spider still on that web? And if he is, is he riding on the back of my neck right now? Have you ever passed through a web and you begin to imagine that bugs are everywhere, especially in areas that you cannot see? Is there a bug on me? <laughs> tell your wife, <laughs> there's nothing on you. Stop crying like a baby. Is there, a, is there, is there can, can you kill it? <laughs> I walked through the web. There's a little strand coming from your ear. Get over it, won't you, tough guy? (laughs) Right? But if you were ever in a situation where something bad was happening and you tried to lean on a spider's web to hold you up, you in trouble. Because as impressive as a spider's web is, detailed, meticulous, all of that, catches the fly, don't lean on it to hold you up. It ain't going to work. Well, he he trusts in his house, 15, but it does not stand. This is the godless. Bildad is building his case. He holds fast to it, but it does not endure. This is the ungodly. They forget God. They walk in their own wisdom. They don't walk in the wisdom of the Lord. They rely on their own wisdom.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment.
1: Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH.
0: That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walkin' Truth. Truth. He holds fast to it, but it does not endure. This is the ungodly. They
1: forget God. They walk in their own wisdom. They don't walk in the wisdom of the Lord. They rely on their own wisdom. They hear the words of Jesus, Matthew 7, but they don't do it. They're like those who built their house on sand and not on rock. Their house, notice end of 15, does not endure. Short-lived hope, spider web leaning into it. That's it. But the Bible says God can keep you from falling. He can make you stand blameless in his presence with great joy. Second illustration, it says he thrives. He is a lush plant, ESV, before the sun. His shoots spread out over his garden. He's like NIV 16, a well-watered plant in the sunshine, spreading its shoots all over the garden or over the garden. Second illustration is a lush plant. Even in the hot sun, because it's well watered, Psalm 1, Jeremiah 17, it has good vigorous growth. The shoots spread out all over the garden. If you ever have uh, our neighbors planted, I can't remember the name of the plant. But the things take over everything. Have you, uh, what's the, what is it? Morning glory, or there's, is it begonia? Bougainvillea. Bougainvillea. <laughs> And so the thing grows over everything. It's like an ivy kind of thing. Wraps around your fence and everything. It can look like, man, this thing's dominating the backyard. It's wrapped up the dog, the cat, you know. What's going on? One of those Venus flytrap kind of things. His roots wrap around a rock pile, 17. He grasps a house of stones. It pictures a climbing plant dominating everything. If he's removed from his place, then it will deny him. It might say something like this. If you ever, ever done the work and taken it out? I never saw you. It's like it was never there. Behold, this is the joy of his way. Now, I think swinging to the righteous. And out of the dust, others will spring. I think Bill Dad now, trying to get a little sensitivity training, says to Job, hey, Job, even though your life is a shambles, Maybe from underneath the ground where people can't see, the shoots will begin to spring up again. Things that you thought were torn out, maybe they'll begin to flourish again. This is probably the interpretation. Unseen growth will spring up. Maybe you'll be like a transplanted plant. They'll take you, maybe your little palm, Sega palm, very valuable, and you'll get planted from over here and they'll plant you over here and you'll, you'll flourish again. Again. Trying to end on a high note. Conclusion. Lo, God will not reject a man of integrity. So get get your integrity back, Job. Nor will he support the evildoers. Yet, he says, he will yet, Job, I want to give you some hope after I've devastated you with several layers of my argument. He says, Job 21, he, God, will yet fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouting. There's a scene in one of the Lord of the Rings movies and the the king who's in all these battles looks at his daughter who's had to fight all these wars and he says to her, I wish that I could see you smile again. My wish for you is that you could laugh again. I think that's what, you know, imagine being, I don't know how long Bill Dad's been with Job, but Seven days of silence and then all that's gone on. Maybe it's been months. And maybe that's what Bildad is trying to say to Job now. You're going to get your laughter back. You're going to get your smile back. You ever lost your smile? You you ever ever been through a tough stretch, a bummer period of time, looked in the mirror and went, you know, I'm not sure I even know how to smile anymore. Lord, give me my smile back. Give me my laughter back. Laughter is good medicine. He will yet fill your mouth with laughter, Job. But remember, Bildad's thinking, if you do what I say. Maybe you'll be able to go back to the feast like your children used to have, honor the feast, and you you could dance and sing again and enjoy a party again. You know, some of us, we go through stretches and we're like, I don't even know if I could have fun at a party. That's where Job's at. Those who hate you, like the enemies that came and raided your property and killed your servants and animals, those who hate you will be clothed with shame and the ten of the wicked will be no more. Job, if you're righteous, you won't perish. The wicked will perish, so be of good cheer. He tries to end with some positive notes, but if you're Job, final minute of the sermon, if you're Job, what do you have to be thinking after Bildad's speech? Okay, thanks for ending on a positive note, but dude, my kids are gone. My wife has told me to curse God and die. I'm sitting in a rubble pile. I still have these boils. I still can't sleep at night. I am not getting answers from God, and all you've done is give me a box to show me that I must have sinned, and my kids sinned worse, and that's why all the calamity came upon me. And maybe if I come up with something good and repent, I'll find some, some reprieve. But brothers and sisters... What Job needs, and this will come up in the next chapter, is he needs an advocate. He needs a redeemer. He needs someone who will plead his cause. And Job's going to begin to dig down into the gospel. Because not everything that we encounter in this life is going to make sense. There's just going to be some things that happen, and it's just the result of a fallen world. And it's not always going to fit in our tidy little box. And that's when we're going to have to say, Lord, if I am in a season of suffering, I don't want to be, I wouldn't choose to be, but I'm here now and I'm going to lean into you and find my answers in your face because I know that my Redeemer lives. And I know ultimately no weapon formed against me will prosper. And I know Messiah is coming. Would you bow your head and hearts with me, Father, Thank you for Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate Job. He shouldn't have suffered the way that he did, but he suffered the righteous for the unrighteous to bring us to God. You put your love on display at that terrible cross where he suffered. Took my shame, my agony, the weight of my guilt, the wrath of God. Why, oh why? Why would he do that? Um, Amazing love, how could it be that you, my king, would die for me? Job is beginning to show the shadow of the cross, the greater Job, Jesus, who would come into the world, who would make an open spectacle, who would humiliate principalities and powers triumphing over them by the cross, who would take the suffering and the injustice of the cross and turn it around for the greatest good, redemptive suffering indeed. Oh Lord, it is not our favorite subject, but it is where we live. It's the world in which we find ourselves. Some are in the middle of it right now. Some have just come out of it. Some may face it in the near future or distant future, but whatever time that may be, may it lead us to a blood-stained cross. But may it also lead us to an empty tomb, a risen Lord, and the hope that there is life beyond even the grave. Keep your head and heart bowed if you just need a few moments to just meditate on God's word. If you're not a Christian tonight, I would just encourage you something like this. Lord Jesus, would you save me? I believe in your death on that cross for me. Thank you for shedding your blood and dying in my place. I put my faith and trust in your death on the cross for me, your resurrection from the dead. Please pray it if it's you. If you've been putting it off, it now's the time. Turn to him and be saved. Lord, I trust in you. Be my Lord, be my Savior, be my King, be my God. I repent of my sin and I receive you as my Lord. I want to be born again. Save me, Lord. Thank you, Father, for sending your son. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being in our lives. Father, for that saint that's holding on, that saint that needs this, the fresh wind of your spirit to be encouraged tonight, to be revived, to be excited again about evangelism, to be passionate again about the gospel. May you fill them and bless them Bless this sweet, precious congregation with encouragement and faith in all they need. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
0: You've been listening to Wisdom That Falls Short, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job 8. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, if you'd like to learn more about Walk in Truth, our church, and the events and studies we have going on, then download our free Living Truth app in your app store. The Living Truth app is the one with the red logo and the pillars. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, you know, there is a
1: wisdom that falls short, and then there is a wisdom that hits the mark. And the wisdom that hits the mark is God's wisdom. He is the reservoir of wisdom. Wisdom comes from him, and wisdom is found in his word. So if you want to speak wisdom into somebody's life, and it doesn't mean that you can't have some wisdom outside the Bible, but you're going to be on the safest ground when you share the Word of God, a timely word in season. There also has to be the right timing for the right verse. That's the idea of a rhema word in, um, I believe it's in Ephesians, has the idea of a right word for for the right time. That is a timely word. And so that's something that we need to pray for as well. So be prayed up, use the word of God, uh, wield the sword as it were, a timely word in season, and it will produce fruit in your life and the lives of others. Well, hey, tomorrow we're going to start a teaching and it's going to be called Fighting a Losing Battle as we continue in the book of Job. I pray it's been ministering to you and God bless you. Uh, keep us in prayer and we'll see you Lord willing right here tomorrow.
0: And we have actually skipped over some of Pastor Michael's teachings in the book of Job. But you can always listen or watch those teachings when you download our free Living Truth app. It's the one with the red logo with the pillars. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Job 9 called Fighting a Losing Battle. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.